We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, more on the question of being confrontational or kind. I talked about it yesterday, but I want to talk about it again. Does the Bible require us to just lay back and not engage in the culture wars? Because the fruits of the Spirit, after all, include kindness. I'm going to use Kirk Cameron's story again to talk about this issue. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning, and welcome to The Rebellion. Today's show is a little bit more on the conversation that I started yesterday with regard to grace and truth, or confrontation and kindness. Are these things antithetical to one another? Are they opposites? Or are they two sides of the same coin? Because the Bible calls upon us to be kind. I agree with that. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We're told that Jesus came in grace and truth. So what are we to do as we engage in culture? Should we disengage from the culture war altogether for the sake of kindness and gentleness? Should we start talking about grace and diminish the importance of truth therein? A lot of churches are doing this. A lot of colleges are doing this. I've heard that, for example, one college university that emphasized truth over and over again through a leadership transition now talks about grace and, as the result, kind of diminishes the importance of truth in stark contrast to where it used to be. So are we in a position, biblically, Logically, theologically, ontologically, epistemologically, in terms, what's re- in terms of what is real and how do we know what's real in the Bible, theologically, scripturally, are we in a position where Christians are giving Christianity a bad name because they're fighting against the woke culture? They're standing up and saying, no, not on my watch. They won't allow drag queen parties in the park saying, you're going after my children, this is grooming. Are we in a position where Christians should stop doing all of that for the sake of love? That's today's show, and that's today's question. I'm going to try to do my best to answer that biblically, logically, and practically in terms of what your responsibility is, what my responsibility is in terms of engaging in the market square of ideas, culture by and large, Jesus tells us that we are to be salt and light. I would argue he specifically is saying in that particular sermon that it's our obligation to engage in culture. And there's a reason for it. Salt preserves, light illuminates. We live in a dark world. You are the light, and you should shine therein to illuminate, to shine light in the dark corners where there's sin that is causing people to suffer. And to basically bring the discussion back to the ultimate light, Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And you're also salt. Salt preserves. Meat will rot without salt. 
Salt also flavors. You're going to have a very pallid, milk toast existence without that salt to spice things up a bit. All right, let's take a break. When I get back, I'm going to start out with an audio clip from Kirk Cameron with regard to his book, his children's book, that extols, elevates, celebrates the fruits of the Spirit and how he's been turned down. You've heard me talk about it. In over 50 libraries across the nation, public libraries are saying, no, we don't want you to read that book in a in a public story hour within the public space, the public library. We're not going to let you do that. What's Kirk Cameron doing about that? What, what What's his response? That's today's show. And I'm going to argue that he's exemplifying exactly what the Christian community should do. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one-year maintenance and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. I said I'd like to start out with an audio clip from Kirk Cameron to set the context here. This is after he's been turned down by all of these libraries, and the story has gone national, viral. Uh, everybody was talking about it, how Kirk Cameron was turned down at multiple libraries across the nation, from Providence, Rhode Island, to San Diego, to San Lorenzo, to Indianapolis, and all, li all libraries in between. Over 50 libraries, public libraries in the United States, turned Kirk Cameron down and told him boldly, no, we don't want you to read that book about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We won't allow you to do that in our library space. I've covered that story. You've heard it. I won't belabor that now. But as the result of that, Kirk Cameron is obviously still flying across the nation, speaking on a variety of issues, and this particular, this particular issue is one of the key things he's responding to right now. So in the context of him writing a book about patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, what is his response to this controversy? Is he demonstrating the virtues that he himself just wrote about? Well, I want you to listen to this audio clip of what he actually, it's kind of a screenshot of what he took of himself, uh, this, this audio recording that he posted on his social media, just letting you know, letting us know, his followers know where he stands and what he's doing. So listen in, if you will. 
Hey, you guys. Good morning. Uh, I am in the airport right now, and I just wanted to give you a heads up. If you've not seen the front page news of foxnews.com, you might want to check that out because there's an update on this developing story with my new children's book called As You Grow. For those of you who have not uh, heard about what's happening, I wrote a new children's book about biblical wisdom and growing in the fruit of the spirit. You know, love, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. And I wanted to do a book reading at a public library because uh, story hour is all the rage these days. And I was denied by over 50 woke libraries who said that um, their messaging just didn't align. That no matter uh, whether or not I signed up and reserved space, they would not allow me to read my book. Uh, that they have other strategies in place. And so I just wanted to let you know that I've written letters to two of these libraries asking them to please reconsider uh, sending them a free book so that they can review it and, and see that these are values that we all want in all of our children. And that I'd like them to please let me come read my book at their facility the same way that they've let others read their books uh, at their same facilities uh, for the same amount of time in the same way. Uh, and that if they would change their mind I'd be happy to come and I really hope that they do because it's a sweet wonderful beautifully illustrated book but if they don't uh, and they are exercising viewpoint discrimination under the cover of diversity then I've uh, let, let them know in the letter that I am prepared to assert my constitutional rights in court and I would love for you to share this video with as many people as you can so that people can watch and see what happens uh, as this develops and we can learn uh, what's really going on and we can see uh, a revival in our public libraries because uh, today's public libraries have come a long way since the Dewey Decimal System. Uh, just just uh, check out the story on foxnews.com and again please share this video if you'd like to read the letters that i wrote to the libraries just visit bravebooks.com bravebooks.com and you can see the letters that i wrote you can get the book uh you can check out the the developments of the story there all right thanks so much uh join with me and uh let's win back story hour and the culture for our children okay so there you have it that was a little over two minutes, and that was Kirk Cameron in his current position, his current response with regard to this story. Well, one of the things that I've noticed, even locally, here in Bartlesville, is that good people who are trying to fight for the safety and the sanity of their community, safety for their children, sanity for public spaces, good people who have actually stood in the public square and said, no, we don't agree that there is such a thing as a family-friendly drag queen party in the park that drag queen story hours in our public libraries, drag queen performances in our public parks are inappropriate. Why? Because they're public. If you want to engage in this adult behavior in private, then we're not suggesting that it should be illegal, but we don't want our children to be exposed to it in public spaces. Why? Because frankly, you're mimicking a strip tease in front of children. You're teasing children by definition to be curious about adult behavior. At least we'll, we'll grant you that. We'll call it adult behavior, even though I could do a whole show or a whole, a whole series on why it's anything but adult. Adults don't act like this. Mature adults act in a mature way. And this is not mature. To dress up in drag, to mock a woman, 
to blackface the other gender, to exaggerate this caricature that you think a woman really is, is demeaning. And demeaning other people is not adult. It's juvenile. It's adolescent behavior. But, okay, for the sake of argument, we'll legally define this as adult behavior. Morally, ontologically, you know, no. We won't, we won't define it as adult that way. But we'll grant you the legal definition of adult behavior, which means take it behind closed doors. Rent your private space and get behind the closed doors of that facility, whether it be a performance hall or whether it be your own house, and have at it. But don't do this in public. And also, don't invite children even into your private space. This is child endangerment. This is grooming, pure and simple. I'm going to say it again. It's child endangerment, and it's grooming, pure and simple. Children should not be exposed to this. There's no such thing as a family-friendly drag performance. All right. You've heard me talk about it. Let's just say that... uh, you're having a, a, a picnic in the park, and all of a sudden, a couple guys come over right next to you, put down a, a blanket, and they've got their food for the day, and these guys are dressed in drag. And they start playing music, and they start dancing right there next to you and your family in a public park. And they're dancing in a way that mimics, it's a parody of a striptease. And this sexual seductive performance that they're doing is something that your children have to endure. And in fact, they're doing it right in front of your children. And some of the people that are with them actually start encouraging your children to hand dollar bills to these guys. What are you going to do about it? Do you think this is right? Do you think this should be legal? Well, I hope the answer is no. Because this is child endangerment. This is the grooming of your children. All right? Pure and simple. And if parents take their kids to these events because they think it's good for their kids. It's a different thing, different discussion. Now we're getting into parental rights. But I would argue that those parents are guilty of compromising the innocence of their children. They'll be held accountable in eternity. I don't know if we can hold them accountable legally in today's culture or not. But in a time just five minutes ago, it would have been considered obvious that those parents were guilty of child endangerment too. And they should have been prosecuted accordingly. It'd be like uh, a mother taking her daughter to a Chippendales performance and encouraging her five-year-old daughter to get engaged in that purient activity. Is that good? Should we just allow mothers to do that? How about the father that's pushing pornography on his young boy all the time or taking his young boy to a quote-unquote adult gentleman's club? Should that be permitted? Are we just going to release our culture to allow parents to abuse their children in such a way? There's no difference between that and these drag queen performances, other than the drag queen performances in public are even worse because it is public. So that's where we are. But even in Bartlesville, good people are starting to question whether or not they should engage this argument as aggressively as I am, or maybe even as aggressively as Kirk Cameron. They're, they're saying that maybe we can come to a compromise. The other side wants to w- wants a compromise. Oh, they'll stop giving dollar bills to children, and they'll stop letting children actually give the money directly to the drag queen. They'll put a tip jar on the stage. So rather than the children giving the money directly to 
the performer, the drag queen, the child, the five-year-old, the eight-year-old can go and take the dollar and put it in the tip jar. I'm serious. That's one of the compromises they're suggesting. They, they will not compromise on allowing children or inviting children to the event. They will not compromise on performing in public rather than taking it behind closed doors. They say no. When it comes to their costume, they say that they might adjust that a tad so that, quote-unquote, their buttocks isn't exposed as much as it was before. Or they, they won't conduct themselves in such a way that it's interpreted as sexual movements. They say they'll make adjustments in that way. I'm serious. This is what's going on. So how should we respond? Is it unloving to say, no, this is wrong. Here we stand. We can do no other. We're going to fight you on this. Is that unloving? Is that not demonstrating somehow the fruits of the Spirit? Is it antithetical, opposite to what we're told we should do as Christians in the public square? Well, I obviously, you're not going to be surprised to say I stand with Kirk Cameron on this. Did you hear what he said? Did you hear any anger? Did you hear any hate in his voice, in his delivery? Was he gentle? Was he kind in the way he just communicated? I would argue that it'd be hard for you to claim otherwise. He's saying that I've written this book. It's a beautiful book. It's wonderfully illustrated. It talks about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And all of us, whether you're Christian or not, should watch your children to learn those virtues, right? And I'm asking the libraries who've told me no to give me equal time. I'm asking them to honor the fact that they are public spaces by definition because they are public libraries. I'm giving them the opportunity to do what's right. This is the Piper paraphrase, obviously. But if they don't, I've made it clear in my letter that I will exercise my First Amendment rights in court. So what is he saying? Well, one way to say it is I'm going to sue you if you continue to violate my personal rights, my constitutional rights. This is wrong, and I'd like you to do what's right, but if you don't, we'll have to take it to court. Is Kirk Cameron in the right to do this? Can a Christian behave that way in the public square? Well, if you don't, how can you be light in the darkness? How can you be salt to a dying culture in a rotting world? How can you be a shining city on a hill? That's another biblical illustration. We've made it political, but that's come, that comes straight out of the Bible. Do you remember that little uh, that, that Sunday school song that you were taught when you were a child? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine. You can't put your light under a bushel and let it shine. You're obligated to engage in culture. And just because that engagement involves you saying, no, I disagree with this, that engagement it requires you to fight against evil in your culture and to fight for the innocence of your children, just because you're doing that does not make you less kind and gentle. Now, if you call people names, if you engage in ad hominem attacks, then I would I would say you have compromised a biblical standard. Don't attack people. Don't do that. Conservatives don't attack people. Biblical Christians don't attack people. We don't call people names. Don't call people idiots. Don't call them morons. Have I failed at times? <laughs> sure. I've goofed at times. I've failed. And if I have and you've caught me on that one, I apologize. I was wrong. I'll repent of that. I shouldn't have called anybody a name. But there's nothing wrong with calling ideas bad.
with labeling ideas as evil, with calling behavior what it is, sin. There's nothing wrong with that. You're obligated to do that. That is not unloving. Again, parental love means standing in the way of your child when he wants to do something that's harming himself and saying, no, don't do that. I've told you the story before of my time on the O'Reilly Factor with Bill O'Reilly when we were talking about love versus tolerance. And he suggested that my intolerance for a lot of the tolerance movement might not be loving. And I, I, I responded to Bill O'Reilly, and I said, Mr. O'Reilly, on your anniversary, did you send your wife an I tolerate you card? And there was stunned silence. In fact, the sidebar joke was many of the people that were watching that texted me, messaged me, called me, and said, I've never seen, seen Bill O'Reilly quiet for that long before. Mr. O'Reilly was caught off guard when I said, did you send your wife an I tolerate you card? Well, the answer is clearly no. That's not what we do on our anniversaries or on Valentine's Day or any other day. You don't send your spouse, your wife or your husband, an I tolerate you card. Why? Because that would be offensive. That would be insulting to say, happy anniversary, honey. I tolerate you. No. Why? Because tolerance is inferior virtue. Tolerance doesn't say, I love you. Tolerance doesn't even say, I like you. Tolerance says, I'll tolerate you. And that's not necessarily much of a compliment. So tolerating somebody is not a necessarily a virtuous thing. In fact, you could actually despise another human being. You could hate somebody and say, I tolerate you. But love is a superior virtue. Christian charity, another word for love in the Bible, is superior. Tolerance is inferior. Tolerance says, I don't care what you do. Do what you want. Love says, I care deeply about what you're doing, and this particular decision you just made is going to hurt you. Stop it right now. Tolerance says, I don't care. Love says, I care deeply. There's a huge difference between tolerance and love. So we need to define love properly. When we say we need to love the trans community, I agree. When we, need, when we say we should love these people that are participating in drag performances, I agree. But it's not loving to sit back and not confront things that hurt themselves and hurt others. Is it loving to let adults groom children? And don't tell me this isn't grooming, and don't criticize me for labeling it that. What is it if it's not grooming? Of course it's grooming. Why are these drag queens so interested in having children at their events? Why are they promoting them as family-friendly? They want children there. They recognize that if you get children at the youngest ages to start thinking about this stuff, if you tease them into curiosity about this sexual performance, this sexuality, you're going to confuse their little minds, their hearts, and their souls at a very early age, and you've got them. It's grooming. They admit that. They want to raise up a next generation that thinks this stuff is good and right. The parents that are taking their children to these events are doing it for that reason. The owner of Safari Smiles, the dentistry here in Bartlesville, that is a champion of all this stuff, has said, I take my kids to this stuff because I want them there. I want them to be more accepting and open and tolerant. So it's clearly intended to indoctrinate these children into a new way of thinking. 
to soften their minds, their hearts, and souls at the youngest age. So the question is, should we sit back and be quiet? When the San Francisco Gay Men's Choir sings, they're coming for our children, yes, they're coming for our children, we're coming for your children, bit by bit, we're doing it, and you will barely notice it, we'll convert them, yes, we will, we'll convert them, and soon we will convert you. That's a quote from the lyrics from the San Francisco Gay Men's Choir. What's that have to do with this story? What's well, the same agenda? It's under the rainbow flag. They're saying, we're coming for your children. So my conclusion here is Kirk Cameron is not being unkind. He's not being unloving. He's not behaving in a way that's contradictory to the fruits of the Spirit that he just wrote about in his children's book. In fact, he's demonstrating how to apply those very fruits in the midst of conflict. He's not going to have a conversation about sin. There's nothing in the Bible that tells us to do that. The Bible verses that he's using about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control do not say anything about disengaging from culture and being tolerant, being affirming. We don't affirm sin, we confront sin. We don't tolerate other people imposing their debauchery on children. We don't tolerate that. No, it would be unkind of us to do so because the children demand that we protect them. Jesus told us that it'd be better for us to have a millstone tied around our neck and to be cast into the sea than to lead one of these little ones astray. We're not supposed to be having a conversation. Conversation wins no wars. Conversation will bring no repentance. Conversation will only bring compromise. And at the best, the conversation is going to result in our ourselves being conquered. There. A conversation here is going to lead to the conquest of our culture. And we're not the ones who are going to be the victors here. As I said in yesterday's show, Elijah did not engage in conversations with the priests of Baal. As far as I know, in reading the Bible, John the Baptist did not have a conversation with Herod about his adultery. Jeremiah the prophet did not have a conversation with Manasseh and Ammon, the kings at his time and in his day, and their cultic practices and idol worship and how they had compromised Judah. Jonah didn't have a conversation with the Assyrians of Nineveh. And Jesus didn't have a conversation with the money changers, or for or, or for that matter, with the Pharisees that he called whitewashed tombs, a brood of vipers, graves full of dead man's bones. That's not a conversation, that's a confrontation. And Jesus himself, again, because he's God, remember, don't separate Jesus from God as if Jesus is the kind one and God is the harsh one. No, Jesus is God. Jesus inspired the Old Testament. In fact, the New Testament, we're told in Jude and Jan- excuse me, in Jude and P- Peter, the epistles of Peter, first and second Peter, and then the epistle of Jude, we're told that it's Jesus who judged Sodom. Do you hear me on that? Jesus judged, judged Sodom and Gomorrah. Excuse me. Judged Sodom and Gomorrah. He sent his messengers to judge Sodom. To tell Lot to get out. Get your family out. He judged their sin. He didn't have a conversation about it. So where are we right now? Well, let's go back to my intro in this show. Churchill. 
We should fight on the beaches. We should fight in the fields. We should fight in the streets. We should never surrender until God in his great mercy sends forth the new world to rescue the old. Well, let's go with a Piper paraphrase here as we close. It's your obligation to fight in the streets, to fight in the parks, to fight in the public places in your community. It's your obligation to fight for the innocence of your children, because if you don't, it would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and to be cast into the sea. It is your obligation as the body of Christ to fight. It is time for Churchill's. We don't need any more Chamberlain's. Compromise with those proponents of the drag queen story hour so that we just let them continue to do it if they move uh, move the, the donations. If children can now just take the dollar bills and put them in a tip jar rather than giving them directly to the performer, that's the compromise we're going to do? We'll let them continue to mock women and groom children with their insulting caricatures of the female? If they'll just cover their butt a little bit more than they're doing right now. Really, that's what we're going to do? We're going to compromise on those things? That is not what the Bible is calling for, and that's not what responsible Christians should do. You're obligated to guard the innocence of children, first and foremost, and it's not kind or loving to do anything else. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.